0: أعوذ بالله بسم الله الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة على أجمعين من dear brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well inshallah and welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Kamil podcast Inshallah, um, as we go through this du'a, we uh, reach this point of this du'a in which Ali ibn Abi Talib was, he was threatening Allah Subhanahu Wa taala and we explained that this threat really shows, first of all, the love that he has for him. Second of all, how vulnerable of a position he is in that he is resorting to this last option. And third of all, how we call this a threat because the tone is a threat but we can really tell that this is not really a threat. This is a form of praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In which Ali ibn Abi Talib is telling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if he were to end up in this position where he is in the hellfire, that then in hellfire he would, first of all, he would be calling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. He would be calling for his mercy. He would be crying for the fact that he is distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would cry as the person who has lost a loved one. And that he would go around and tell everybody that. Essentially, he has love in his heart of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, This was essentially the way we put it as in terms of an analogy so that we could understand it better. We said it's just like you having a friend, a mother, a father who is very, very kind and you know that they have a soft spot for you uh, in their heart. And you know that if you press on that soft spot and if, if you really focus on it, and you really emphasize and you ask them with all of your vulnerability, that they are so kind, they are so merciful, that at the end of the day they will respond to you. This is the kind of approach Ali ibn Abi Talib is taking when it comes to uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. He's saying, I know you are so kind that if there is someone who has even a little bit of love of yours in their heart, at the end of the day you're going to show them mercy, you're not going to let them burn or at least you're not going to let them burn continuously once they are purified of their sins, then you will bring them out of hellfire. And because he knows that, he is saying that if I do end up in hellfire, then what I will do is I will go around and I will profess to everybody and I will make it clear to everybody that I am one who loves you. And I will do that through the way I am speaking and through the way I am calling your name from the midst of the hellfire. So this is where he uh, essentially roughly where we ended. He said, اُقْسِمُ صَادِقًا Wa نَاطِقًا if you let me speak while I'm in the hellfire, I'll do these things. First of all, la adijanna أَبَيْنَ jijal I will cry and weep, and while I am doing that, while I am lamenting, I will have the hope that you will show me mercy. And you will hear my cry. And I will weep because of the fact that I am distant from you and I have lost you. And I will call you out. I will essentially do nida of you. Where are you? The one who takes over and manages the affairs of the Mu'minin. Here is a mu'min, he's in hellfire, he's calling for your help and you are not willing to take over his affairs. You're not willing to take care of him. Okay, having said that, then he moves on to this line, and this line is essentially, it comes along with like another three or four lines that come after this. But the first line we are going to really uh, elaborate on a little bit more, because it carries a very deep concept that we have in Islamic teachings. So he says, I will do all of this. I'm gonna do this. Oh, the one who is the final goal, the final hope of all of those who know Him. This line is a very, very deep line. So we're gonna come back to this and elaborate on it for in just a second. Okay. But then he says this. O oh, the one who is a means of assistance for those who are asking for assistance, ya <laughs> habib The one who's there with the hearts of those who are truthful, wa ya ilaha <laughs> And the Lord and the God of all of the inhabitants. Okay. So what is he saying when he says ya amal al This is a line that uh, actually. Is sort of alluding to this deep concept that we have in the Islamic in Islamic theology and it's in fact a principle and a concept that our scholars will bring up usually at the very very beginning when they delve into theological topics or the science of of Islamic theology you will find that they will talk about this concept first and foremost and there's a reason for that and that's because it helps us understand really the human being and what the human being is searching for, what the human being is yearning for. Okay, what is that concept? Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying you're the one who's the final hope, the final dream, the final desire of those who know him. What is this referring to? In Islamic theology, that concept that I was talking about is this, that they understand and they define the human being in this manner, that the human being is after perfection. The human being is pursuing perfection and the human being will never be pleased with anything less than that perfection. And that is why our scholars will always talk about this and say that the human being at the end of the day, he will never be pleased, he will never be satisfied with anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who has everything in the unlimited form and in the unlimited fashion. Now maybe the human being himself may not be unlimited but that's what he is yearning for, that's what he is desiring Okay, and because of that our scholars say that at the end of the day every single human being that is alive because this is a universal trait, this is a universal attribute that you will not be satisfied as a human being with anything that's limited and I'll give some more examples to open this up and elaborate on this a little bit more But at the end of the day, because you have this trait inside of you and every single human being has it, you will not be satisfied until you reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unless you can embrace Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His existence. And therefore, every human being that's alive is really secretly or in a hidden manner, or even though he doesn't know it himself, he is searching for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is yearning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only thing is, the only reason why we don't see that in people's day-to-day actions, the only reason we don't see people like praying you know, 24-7 or looking for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 24-7 or connecting with Him 24-7 is because this unlimited pleasure plus unlimited wealth, this unlimited beauty that we find in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a lot of times we mistaken that as human beings, we mistaken that with other things that we have in our lives. So sometimes we might look at a certain uh, individual and we might associate them with that beauty and we would assume that their beauty is so great that we would be satisfied with that or that we would think, for example, this dunya and this world is so unlimited it would give us all the pleasures that we need and that we'll be satisfied with that. And therefore those things actually take on the role and take on the place of God in our life. Okay, that's where the mistake comes in. Otherwise, if you think about it, every human being is really thinking about the same thing, every human being is yearning for the same thing. It's just a matter of whether they are able to identify this unlimited being. And, you know, nine out of 10, most of the time that does not happen. And that's why nine out of 10, people are not yearning and searching for God. A lot of times they are, you know, running after this, running after that. They're running after the fame, they're running after the money, they're running after other people's acceptance because in their mind, they've made a mistake in identifying that unlimited pleasure to be these other things in the world. Whereas really what they're looking for is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they just don't know it themselves, right? If I wanted to give an analogy for this, you would see sometimes, for example, if your child wants to, you know, of course, in the day and age that we live in, screen time is a serious issue that we have as parents. And sometimes your child might want to watch something, right? Or he might want to turn on the TV, right? And, and you see him fumbling with this remote right or maybe even the wrong remote he has like a he has like the remote of the uh you know the DVR in his hand whereas the remote of the TV is somewhere else and he's fumbling with it and he's pr- pressing all the buttons right and you're like wait a second let me just show you that's not the remote you want the remote you want is this other one this is what is going to turn on the TV right and he may not understand it or she may not understand it but really what he's yearning for is to watch you know watch that cartoon that favorite cartoon of his that he has but at the end of the day he has misidentified what is gonna get that to him, and he's you know fumbling with some other remote, right? Or he's pressing all the wrong buttons, and you know which button it is that is gonna get that TV to turn on, right? Essentially that's the same thing with Allah, with us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We identify all these other things in our life, and we assume that once we have those things, then we'll be satisfied. Where what, what we don't know is that deep down we are yearning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just that again. We take other things and we assume that those things will play that role for us. We will always be looking for something that's unlimited. A good example of this is, you know, look at the most successful people in in history or the most successful people that have lived in our society. When you look at them, uh, you find that a lot of times, even though this person is at the very top, he has essentially mastered his craft. He is, you know, he has essentially beat all of his competitors and still he's not fully happy with where he is right you see this with athletes sometimes the greatest athletes of all time still because they weren't able to win their 20th 25th or 30th championship for example they're still not fully happy Because that's how the human being is. He will never fully be happy until he has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and until he reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You find this with people who are wealthy as well. The person might have 20 successful flourishing businesses and still he feels like There are other realms, there are other arenas that he should be able to conquer as well. And because of that, sometimes you or someone else you might know who doesn't even have a business, just working a nine-to-five job, might be happier in their life than that person who has this crazy amount of money in their bank account because of how they feel like they still need more and they still want more, right? And that's really the main point in this life. That's the key point in this life. Will you understand that you are never going to be happy with whatever you get in this dunya. Now, that doesn't mean you don't provide for yourself and you know you don't plan for your future and whatnot. Of course, it doesn't mean any of that. But at the end of the day, whatever results you get, at the initial moment, it's going to be really awesome and really cool. Afterwards, it's going to get normal. After a while, you're going to want more. It's going to happen with every single thing in your life, every single step in your life. And therefore, the sooner you understand that, the more happiness you will actually bring into your life okay and I, I wish by the way we explained these things to our children when we talked about religion because usually when we talk about religion to our children we're talking about you know the, the ritual aspect of religion which is which is important but it's not the full picture of what our, our religion is and therefore our children walk away thinking that Islam is just you know praying five times a day or it's just fasting 30 days. Uh, in Ramadan or it's just like celebrating Eid for example whereas that is not even scratching the surface as to what Islam you know the message that Islam wants to get ac- across to us no Islam is here to give us a framework about our whole life imagine if you if you and I knew this or a lot of people knew this growing up you know in their life that none of this none of this wealth or none of this money was really going to bring them happiness at the end of the day and that the happiness was going to come at the end of the day with them being content and looking forward to the hereafter imagine how much happier a human being will be when he knows this because this world even if you're a positive person even if you're the type of person who is you know half cup full which is great and we should be like that but if you go back to you being the human that you are you still won't be satisfied fully so that attitude that the Ahlul Bayt had, and we should all have of course, the half-half of the glass is full type of you know attitude, like I said, it's very important, but at the end of the day, does it satisfy fully the human being? No. And God does not expect that of us either. What God expects of us is to have that attitude and that behavior so that we can be patient, at least temporarily, so that we can move on to the hereafter, so that we don't kill ourselves for this dunya, And we kill ourselves, you know, metaphorically for the Akhirah. We work hard for the Akhirah. Right. And during that time we say, Well, I have enough money to live and I have enough money to take care of my life. So, you know, I'm gonna look at the the you know, the glass is half full. That's more than enough for me right now. That's gonna get me to my Akhirah, and then that's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is gonna reward me for everything that I'm doing. Right? But at the end of the day, if we tell people to just look at the half glasses full and say that's it, there's no human being that's going to be satisfied with that and i will say this even further that even allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want the human being to be fully satisfied with that no this attitude of us looking at the positive is to bring patience so that we can deal with the difficulties so that we can get to the akhirah and in the akhirah we will have that unlimited pleasure and that you know seeing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifesting himself and us then being essentially our our hunger being satiated with his uh, power, beauty, wealth, everything that he has, and his attributes. Okay, otherwise, just being patient for the you know forever, that's not what is ever going to satisfy the human being. Okay, having said that, let's go back to the dua. So the Imam is saying, listen, you are the thing that those who know you they are wishing for you because for them everything else is limited in this world. You're the only thing that is unlimited in this whole world. And that is really when true happiness will come into someone's life. Okay, moving on. Ya al you're the one who is an aid for those who are seeking assistance. This is a person, again, Ali ibn is saying, if I end up in hellfire, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for your help, but you're Riyat al You're the one who helps those who are seeking and needing help. So therefore, you will essentially quickly come to my aid and to my assistance right again going back to the idea that because you have a soft spot for me therefore if i call you and i ask for your mercy because you're not cruel we know you're not cruel you're going to respond to my call the one who is close to the hearts of those who are sincere and the lord and the god of all of the world's inhabitants. This word Alameen, of course, there are different understandings of it. Some would say that it refers to multiple worlds, right? And you'll find this in the translations of Surah Al-Hamd as well. When we say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil some will say, okay, that means, you know, praise be to or praise belongs to the Lord of the worlds. And then there's another opinion that says, no, this Alameen refers to the beings that live in, uh, in the world. Okay, so it would therefore, the translation would be the inhabitants of the world, which would be, you know, the, the humans and the jinn and, and whatnot. Okay, moving on. Along the lines of this metaphorical, or forgive me, this hypothetical talk that Ali ibn Abi Talib had, this conversation that he had, that, you know, essentially, if I end up in hellfire, I'm going to do this. Now he's going to go back and reiterate what we touched on earlier in the Dua. If you remember earlier in the Dua, he started asking this question of Ya Allah, do you really see yourself punishing a person who has felt a sajda to you, who has done istighfar to you, this person who has spoken to you and has remembered you with his tongue. If you remember, there were four or five lines earlier on in the the Dua, in which Ali ibn Abi Talib he was bringing up the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never do this. He said, وَعَلَى وَعَلَى Are you gonna burn someone's heart? Are you gonna burn their organs that were worshipping you? And at the end of all of this he said, He said, No, this is not what we have heard of you. So all of this, of course was hypothetical and we explained this before we said Ali ibn Abi Talib speaks in this way because he knows that if someone does tawbah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive him but he is saying it in this manner of Ya Allah would you ever do this because he does not want to take the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as something that is granted and we talked a little bit about how this is the manners when you are dealing with someone who is very, very generous. Now, coming back to this part of the dua, he's gonna be using very similar, a very similar approach. So here's what he's gonna say uh, in these uh lines essentially. He says this Afatura ya bihamdik. Do you really see yourself, Ya Allah? Muslim. Do you really see yourself standing there and watching a servant of yours who is Sujina bi who is stuck in the hellfire because he was opposing you. And he is tasting the punishment, he's getting a taste of the punishment of the hellfire because of disobeying you. And because of his sins and because of his wrongdoings, he's stuck between these different levels or these different layers of the hellfire. And he will continue with this. He will say, Do you really see yourself standing there in watching him while he is calling out for your help and you will not help him? And in other words, and of course we'll get to this later on, you know, you know maybe uh, 10 or 11 phrases further down into the dua. Of course, Ali ibn Abi Talib will end up with this. He'll say, Of course you would never do that. So when someone is there and he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help, The help is going to be there. The mercy is going to be there. And I've mentioned this a number of times in the previous episodes, and I'll mention it again, that this is true for someone who has genuine hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Who has genuine fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his heart, who is, you know, really calling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his mercy. Yes, if someone genuinely calls, the mercy is going to be there. If you find in the verses of the Qur'an, and we'll cover some of these verses, that there are those who call, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not respond to them, and the Qur'an has multiple verses that talks about this, it's because their call is not because they are truly looking for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His mercy, they're just dealing with this punishment and they don't want to deal with this punishment. It's not that they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they just hate the punishment. Okay, so we'll talk about that a little bit more and uh, explain why Ali ibn Abi Talib here, he is saying that when someone calls and is asking for your help genuinely, there is no way you will not respond to Him. And why in other verses of the Qur'an we read that there are those in hellfire who ask the angels, and we covered some of this before as well, they say if you could go and tell your Lord to just lower the punishment for a day or two, and the call that comes back is فَدْعُوا وَمَا دُعَاءُ الْكَافِرِينَ إِلَّا Like, you guys can ask for whatever you want to ask for, but that's not going to happen. What's the difference between these two? Inshallah, in the next episode, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into that and also talk about these different levels that Ali ibn Abi Talib is referring to when it comes to hellfire. How many levels does the hellfire have? Um, And what are some of the names that they have and what are they allocated for each and every one of them? Inshallah, that we will uh, discuss in the uh next episode for those who are who are listening and are interested in some of the other work that mizan institute does please uh go ahead and follow us on facebook also on uh on facebook it'll just be mizan institute on instagram it's mizan.institute and we're also there on twitter Um, inshallah follow us on any of these uh, platforms so that you can get updates and if you want a full scope of really what Mizan Institute is all about and what it's been doing, then please do uh, visit our website, mizaninstitute.org, where you can find the courses that we're offering, um, the podcasts that we're offering, the Mizan live sessions, which are Facebook live sessions and Instagram live sessions, and the other work that's being done. You can take a look at that at mizaninstitute.org. Inshallah, until our next episode, take care. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.